correctly with the correct amount. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. radiocom Welcome to Me and Steve Talk RPG, the podcast where me and my friend Steve try and help you get the most out of your role-playing game experience. Welcome back to Me and Steve Talk RPGs. I'm here with my friend Steve. Hello. We have a very special guest on this week. However, before we get to that, I do want to shout out our podcast for the week, and that podcast is Werewolf the Podcast. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Werewolf the Podcast, Steve? Well, Werewolf the Podcast, as you might guess, is a podcast all about Werewolf the role-playing game. Primarily, it's kind of a retrospective podcast for Werewolf the Apocalypse from uh, White Wolf and the various iterations it's been through since then. But it's hosted by Josh Heath, who joined us to talk about, well, Werewolf the Apocalypse well, about two months ago now. And uh, it's a really cool show, very, very in-depth about Werewolf. And so uh, if you want to check that out, I forget the exact address, but if you, you know, search Werewolf the Podcast, you should be able to bring it up. And I'll put a link in the show notes like we always do. So, uh, yeah, check them out. Good show. Yeah, one of, the, one of the really cool shows on the network. Speaking of really cool stuff, we have a very cool guest on this week. Why don't you go ahead and introduce our guest, bud? Yes, our guest this week is Gabriel Caroga who is an independent RPG designer who's done, well, I believe it's three games now, or his third game is currently on Kickstarter. Uh, we've actually mentioned his work in Game of the Week with NeuroCity. He's also done Warpland. And his current RPG, which is on Kickstarter right now through, I believe, January 22nd, is a game called Hell Knight. So uh, with that, welcome to me and Steve, Gabriel. Hello, guys. Yeah, you now I can me? hear you. Thank you. Guys, sorry, I had a um, communication problem. Uh, That's okay. <laughs> hey, it happens. You know, it's what happens when you're talking halfway around the world. <laughs> Argentina right now, and well, maybe some stuff get lost on the way. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for coming on the podcast. We're both big fans of your, your games that you have published so far, and very excited for Hell Night. Hey folks, just a quick note from editor Steve here. As you may have noticed, we had some connection issues during this interview, and and it just felt to me if I edited it the way I normally would that there'd be a good chance that some stuff would actually be harder to understand than without the, the snippets that, that we did get. So I've chosen to leave it a bit more raw than I normally would in the hopes that it conveys everything a little better. Again, because of connection issues and so forth. So uh, I hope you all enjoy listening to this interview as much as Steve and I enjoyed recording it. Great. I'm honored to be invited. And yes, I'm also very excited about Hell Night. I have been on this for the last eight months. So this is a big moment for me. Well, I got to say, I, you know, I stumbled across the link on Kickstarter. I think it was, I was had glanced at, I think it was Cyborg from the folks that did Morkborg, and this was like in, you know, that that box down at the bottom about, well, if you like this, maybe look at this, and I went, and, and like, the first thing that got me was just the image, and like, it's very, you know, kind of, oh, Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, and then like, I start reading it, and I'm like, oh, gosh, and then the, you know, like Steve said, the the playlist and everything, and it's just like, 
Oh, this ticks so many boxes. <laughs> yes, yes. It's a, it was a hard work uh, for me. And uh, I'm glad you like the list because I'm sure you must be experts on the music, on the, on the heavy metal stuff. And yes, for me, it has been, a, of course, a big inspiration. I'm a very good friend with, uh, with Peter, with Nord. He's including some of his art in the book. Okay, I'm sorry, the, uh, our connection cut out. Well, what was the person's name again? Uh, the Morgborg illustrator. Oh, oh, uh, oh wow, was that okay. Johan? Uh, yes, Johan. Illustrator. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, I mispronounced mispronounce it. That's very cool. A two-page spread layout of a Kika's dragon that we are including it in the hell chapter of the book. Very nice. I'm excited to see that. <laughs> I, I, I'll be honest. When I started realizing that Hell Knight was from you and that you were the one that had worked and made Neuro City and, and both Neuro City and Warpland and then now Hell Knight, I was immediately excited because Neuro City, I think, is a fantastic game. I, I really do. Thank you so much. Neuro City is not that well known. Uh, Warpland is more well known, I think. Uh, most people play Warpland, but Neuro City was the game that started it all for me and started my career as a creator. So I a very profound connection with that game. Do um, an up, a big update of it at the end of the year. Ooh, cool. Nice. Yeah, NeuroCity, for, for those who, who haven't seen it or read it, tell me if I'm wrong to say it's kind of, it's a heavily 1984-influenced take on Paranoia, but not intended to be a comedy game like Paranoia. I think uh, that appreciation is correct. It has also some influences from Alphaville, from Goddard, and from THX, I think it's THX 1132, from uh, George Lucas. Okay. Yeah, I was definitely picking up the... It, it, it has a really cool, almost, I, I call it like retro-futurism vibe, where it's, it's future through the lens of the past. I wanted to do my take on a cyberpunk dystopia, but uh, make it very retro-futuristic. Yeah. So the technology is analog. Uh, uh, well, you have read the book. Uh, there is a... He is inversing towards the anal analog age because of constant recycling of the components. Because, as you know, NeuroCity is a closed environment, so the city itself is constantly recycling its own technology, and that is causing, like, uh, involution. Yeah, basically entropy. Yes. Yeah, no, I, I, and I mean, it's, it's a different sort of game, but it, it feels like Steve and I have talked about it and in some ways, like he said, it, it kind of feels dirty and wrong, but in all the right ways. Called fun, you know, <laughs> called the RPG, so you can feel the influence. Right. Of that right. Yeah. It definitely has that cult feeling. So I wanted to ask you. I picked up a little bit of uh, a feel of like I have no mouth and I must scream. What are your what are what were your big influences? Yeah, that's one of my favorite stories. Uh, I have no mouth, but I have I have to scream. I want to scream. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it captures I think the feeling of uh, that existential angst against the against a supercomputer or or living below you know an all powering god that controls everything you do. Yeah, like I say, it just, and then like Warpland as well, like, you know, Steve's read that one more than I have, but my, my gut reaction to what I have read of Warpland is it's kind of like a, 
acid trip Morkborg take on like a Conan like setting. That's also that's a good appreciation of it. Um, I think that uh, one of uh, the biggest theme in Warbland, besides uh, psychedelia, is uh, discussing, um, discussing the problems of obscurantism, of uh, what happens when knowledge is uh, restrained. And should knowledge be restrained? It's a criticism, criticism against that. But uh, as you know, in Warbland, people, uh, there is some religion that prohibits science and prohibits history, prohibits the, the understanding of technology in order to prevent uh, mistakes humanity, yeah, humanity did uh, that caused the destruction of the world. Warbland is immersed in chaos because of the technology of a previous civilization. Well, that's, that's pretty cool. And the other thing... <laughs> there's a line in, in NeuroCity, to go back to that, that I just, I found and I loved it. And it's in the, the start of the rules chapter, and it says, delaying a suspenseful narration to engage in mathematical calculations would be ruining a plot. <laughs> and I love that you recognize that as a game designer. Absolutely. Well, I think it's part of the OSR uh, philosophy, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And like, you know, you're, you're very like, this has a very OSR feel to it, but it doesn't feel like it's trying to replicate any old game specifically. It's just got that kind of minimalist, look, we don't need a whole lot of rules. We're just going to have some stuff that we do with dice to make things random, but we don't have to have a rule for everything. I think that uh, one of the biggest challenge was uh, making a workhorse system that is easy and simple and that can be learned in 10 or 15 minutes, uh, I like that most of the cognitive effort from the part of the players and the game master is on the storytelling and not the rules. Well, I think that's really cool. Now, the one thing I did want to ask, and, and I'm guessing, I believe it even said as much in the Kickstarter, you're using the same basic system for Hell Knight? I'm using the same system. It is a bit uh, even a mi minimal version of the system, but Instead of skills, I am using classes. The game has five different classes with a lot of customizations. Each class will have about five pages of the book. So the idea is that uh, maybe two or three players can even choose the same class, but they will still feel very different. They will still very, feel very distinctive and unique. I think that we managed to do, to do that. So yes, but basically I'm using the same uh, six roll under the stat system. Okay. One thing I wanted to ask, and and I'm not saying this that I think it's a fault of the game, but I did notice there is basically no character progression in terms of statistics or anything other than perhaps some loss due to injury. Mm -hmm. Did you design the games with more of a kind of a short campaign idea behind them that it's intended to tell like short stories or, or like anthologies? Or, I mean, what was your, your goal there? I think it, it works very good with one-shots, but at least for Warblam, we made a, a campaign that lasted 25 sessions. Um, I think it is a, a matter of a concern on, on an plot or, or a storyline, and I think that the, the characters still evolve. I mean... They still get to be more powerful. They still get to have more contacts, more equipment. They still 
get to grow as a personality, as a as a character. But I did not want it to concentrate it to concentrate on levels or or, or increasing stats. Uh, mm. That that's at least not 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 uh, of my interest. I never cared about that. Okay, yeah, I can I can really dig on that because um, it's a lot of games that it feels like they've shoehorned in a level system, and it it especially you could just play a story where the whole point of it is not for you to get physically more powerful, but to get to develop a character to get into more of a find out who you are and what you are in this world. And I think I can really, really see where you're coming from with that. That it works fine uh, as it is. I mean, Warbland has some kind of uh, character advent. I think that after a couple of sessions, you can increase one of your stats, but that's the core of it. It's not a main interest uh, for designer. All right. Well, it's narrative progression as opposed to mechanical, which is mm-hmm. is fine. Yeah, that's really cool, actually. Always, I, th- I think that from a, a creative uh, perspective, uh, sometimes uh, from limitations, you you can harvest a lot of uh, great things. You know, uh, I'm also a musician, and I can understand that. Mm-hmm. So that actually leads kind of into a question that I wanted to ask, and that hopefully it comes across right. Um, do you consider yourself a game designer or an artist that works in games? I'm a writer that works on games. I do not have uh, much of a, a graphical studies, but I am a very visual uh, person. So in, I usually, once I get a concept I like, I usually work a lot on the visual aspect of the game because I need visual aspects as cues for what the setting will be. Okay. Also, I think that uh, at least the way I present uh, the systems in my settings, uh, I send them as optional because I understand that most RPG plans uh, usually have their own mechanics and systems they like. So uh, it has, has, has happened a lot to me that players use their own system for my settings. And that's, I think, that pretty standard uh, custom in the industry. Okay. No, that, yeah. Yeah, you see yourself as a, what do you want to say? The the writing is first, not necessarily the mechanics of the game, which again I think is 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 great. And to be honest, your 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 setting stuff is just awesome. I think the system is uh, at the service of the of the setting, but maybe you have a, another preference, so it's fine with me. I just intre- I'm just interested in giving or showing different worlds or original uh, worlds that discuss themes that. Are, uh, they are not that much discussed in RPGs. Uh, I think you have science fantasy. Uh, there are many great RPG science fantasy games. I still feel that Warland gives something else to the public, and the same thing goes with NeuroCity or Hell Knight. I was going to say, so so NeuroCity is is kind of a retro futuristic cyberpunk. Warpland is psychedelic science fantasy, and then the game that you like, I've mentioned before you currently have on Kickstarter is called Hell Knight. So what is Hell Knight a game about? Uh, Doom Biker RPG. Uh, players will interpret basically demonic bikers from hell that uh, will be loosed on, on Earth trying to capture fu- fugitive archdemons. 
the verge of sedition because uh, Satan is missing. Nobody knows where he is. So all the higher art, um, hierarchies from hell are running away from So everything is in a state of turmoil. And the heavens or uh, the angels uh, have stated that if they don't, if, if don't, don't capture the, the fugitives, this uh, they will have a war against hell. So it's uh, like playing in a ticking clock. You know those guys or kill them and everything before hell breaks loose. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got to tell you, like when I saw it, I, it was it was really cool. And even just reading it, I was thinking of an old Tales from the Crypt movie that I saw geez, years ago when I was in college <laughs> and honestly haven't seen it since. And then when I listened to the soundtrack, it only uh, reinforced it because I have the soundtrack for that movie. I've had it on CD for years, and that's uh, Demon Knight. Demon Knight, yes, that's uh, an amazing movie. They, some of the of the backers from my Facebook group has been uh, showing images from that movie last week. Yeah, I remember that getting brought up actually because I mean I'm part of that Facebook group. <laughs> yes, it's a great movie. I think it captures uh, a great part of the feeling of Hell Knight. Well, everything from the '80s. The horror movies from the 80s and the B movies uh, that capture that feeling. Uh, and it is a feeling that has not been uh, revived much except for the movie Mandy from Panos Cosmatos. Okay. In it, but it's a great movie uh, starring Nicolas Cage. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, yes. Mandy is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, Steve's, Steve's the real movie buff here. <laughs> yeah. It, Thanos makes some really fantastic, like, fantastic horror movies. But yeah, Mandy is fantastic. Yes, and it has all that, uh, well, all that 80s inspiration within. Yeah, with the, yeah, I agree completely. And and that's what I think I really loved about Hell Knight was I was looking at it and I'm immediately thinking of, like, the best parts of, like, Hellraiser and and all of the, you know, all of those awesome 80s horror movies that came out and the the... The music and everything just so evocative. I, I really, really think that's such a cool, cool game, man. I, I'm so excited for that. <laughs> ah, thank you, Steve. Yes. Uh, yes, all the well, you have the directors, you have Cronenberg, you have uh, John Carpenter. Well, there are so many great mm. 80s directors that capture that feeling. Uh, Mandy, you have specifically those type of demonic bikers, the Black Skulls. So that, those were the main inspiration behind the game those guys, those bad guys. I thought it, it would be very cool to, to play them in a setting that made some sense because you're basically playing bad guys trying to protect the cosmic bad So the, the basic premise is you're bad guys trying to do good things to keep stuff from getting worse. Yes, definitely. <laughs> I, See, I, part of I me like wanted it, <laughs> to, to make it maybe too simple like this is like Ghost Rider meets Spawn, but only the parts that we wanted, not everything else we got. <laughs> only the parts we like out it. <laughs> yes, for sure. A lot of um, from Neil Gaiman's. Um, mm -hmm. I think that um, Neil Gaiman's vision about hell uh, also influenced a bit of the book. The book will have like an, an 80s chapter and also a, a chapter about hell because. Uh, the idea is to present like two play modes within the book. Uh, one play mode will be questing 
on 80s Earth, and the other play mode will be questing on hell, in hell. That is, as I said before, in turmoil. So that play mode will be a bit more over the top. Hard mode versus the nightmare mode in the Doom game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got you. So speaking of movies, and this sort of has the same feeling, another Nicolas Cage movie. Did you ever watch Drive Angry? Because it kind of, um, the idea of, of escaping out of hell to stop worse things from happening, that has that same, it's a campy movie. Um, not no, great, watch but... The mo- I, I did not watch the movie, but uh, one backer recommended and I, I read what it was about, and one of the character classes will be called a revenant that awesome. so based on the on the crow character you know the crow right right it has that uh, it is basically a mortal that is given another chance uh, another chance in in his mortal life to serve in exchange for a service so he like a badass dude doing hell's uh, business on earth okay kind of a little bit shade to the crow there too then yeah, that's what. Yeah, crow. Yes. Yeah, demonic guy. He will be immortal, but he, he still will have like a guardian, some uh, demonic guardian that will keep vigilance over him. That could be a crow, but it can be something like demonic. It could be like some kind of a slug creature that is attached to his neck, or maybe a hellhound, or maybe a strange ape that smokes a lot of cigarettes. So <laughs> a lot of colorful characters <laughs> well I, I don't even know what to say because like I, I <laughs> saw the listing and it was just like oh you know this this it just feels so like so much fun for lack of a better way to say it it's it's a chance to to do well and like you said you know it's it's your bad guys so you can be that kind of over the top you know you don't have that well, we have to be the good guys no we're the bad guys it's it's an ends justify the means setting, so it's like there's less constraints, and maybe it's just because you know that that eighties nineties era was when I you know was was really growing up, and and it just I don't know it just like a, it ticks so many boxes for me. <laughs> <laughs> Great, yes, it also ticks a lot of boxes for me. Also, uh, I think that more board that uh, in some way or the other because you basically more or less bad guys in Morgborg. So uh, I think that I understood that there was an interest uh, from the part, or that it was very fun uh, to play, as you said, uh, doing without any moral restraint to do whatever you want. Uh, that's very comical. It's hilarious to see like a demonic guy uh, trying to make his way in, a, in the mortal world, in the 80s world. Because uh, you can imagine that he's accustomed to a type of, uh, of world because he, ha- he, ca- he comes from hell. So he has, uh, he's almost, almost medieval or savage in most of his ideas or ideology. But, uh, in playtesting, um, it's going to be a, like a horror RPG, but it was so fun and so hilarious that we understood that black comedy is a great part of it. Well, yeah, I think that black comedy side of, of horror and, and most grim dark games is something that a lot of people don't immediately recognize. And I think for a lot of players, that's a big attraction to that. 
by side. Well, you mentioned uh, Tales from the Crypt. Tales from the Crypt is the perfect example of horror along the line with a black comedy. Yeah. So, I mean, not to get into nitty gritty stuff, but uh, how soon do you expect to have Hell Knight, so to speak, finished and, and done? I mean, obviously the campaign goes for about another two weeks here. How close is it to you being able to, to send it to press and so forth, or you still have a decent amount left to do, more art to get, so on and so forth? Honestly, the, I, had a, I had a similar issue with Warbland. My original intention was to do a 66-page book. Uh, it is looking to be 88. It's growing because I am having a lot of contributions, uh, both in art and in writing. Super cool, but uh, I will probably be a bit delayed with delivering this, uh, with delivering the book. Uh, I, I'm also adding a C-shaped brochure as a final stretch goal. I think that we will be able to make it. The book is going to be a hardcover. Uh, honestly, it's going to be fantastic because I, I really, I think that the only, the only thing I don't like about Warbland was that it was a print on demand. I had to deliver through, drive through RPG because of practical uh, aspect. Uh, but now I'm glad to say that uh, we are going to do an offset print through Mixam. So it's going to look really premium. Uh, the colors are going to pop out. It's going to look the way I, I really want it to look. Uh, I'm also doing a, an offset print version hardback of Warbland that is included as an add-on for backers, for Hell Knight backers. So, yeah, I think that it will probably take two, two months to be uh, realistic. Okay, um, you connect our connections a little weird. You said probably about two months? Yes, yes. Probably, a bit, uh, probably two, two months until backers get the book, their book. Oh, wow. Oh, that's low, that's not bad. <laughs> yeah, probably uh, two weeks uh, when they ship the proof copy and then it to be maybe another two weeks for production and then Exalted Funeral will receive the book and they, they will have it to ship it. Yeah, it's going, to, it's a long-term thing uh, mm -hmm. to produce books, but uh, I will write a track. Well, that's, that's really cool. It's really not that long of a time, two months. I've seen a couple Kickstarters where it's, you know, talking about a year till you get the book months isn't that big of a deal i it's not that that much of a deal but uh, for me you know i have been working on it for uh, almost uh, the whole of the year uh, mm. this is basically my only job uh, i have launched myself into adventure by becoming a full-time creator uh, it's a big thing for me and i and i want to make sure to get it right i don't want to stop at the last stage right Right. Well, you've you've done you've done well so far. So I can tell you that everything else you've published has been quality, and I'm very very excited for Hell Knight, and uh, definitely want to get my hands on it. Yeah, I'm I, I'm the one that is most stoked about it. <laughs> uh, the art that still has not been seen, an illustration by uh, an artist called Subhuman. The thing that they, that eventually make it into a poster because it's going to be amazing <laughs> okay the other thing that i want to just point out to people because a lot of people hear oh kickstarters and they're thinking 
you know, it's going to be this. This is very, very affordable. I just actually finally actually, you know, put in the information to back it this morning. And it's to, to get the hardcover book and shipping for me in the U.S., I'm in for a grand total of $32, which is less than I'm going to pay for just a book, even if I drive to the store and buy it in most cases. So, I mean, I, I just, this is one of those where, like, I can't find a reason not to back it. Uh, yes, yes. I, I wanted to do, I think that, uh, well, it's understandable that the market is a bit flooded with very cool projects. So I understood that uh, most of the community will be glad to see that the price of the book is not that expensive. I, I myself want to buy everything that comes out from Kickstarter, especially from Exalted Funeral. Or There are so many cool things going on, so I made a point of not doing a very expensive book. So that's why I don't want to go over the 88 pages, but I think that it might go over the 88 pages. <laughs> well, I, I'm just going to say, you know, uh, NeuroCity is, I think with all the character sheets and the pre-gens and everything in the back is, is about 120 some pages. And while it's not like, there's a lot of art and everything in the book, there's a lot packed into the text that's in there. And, and I say that meaning that like, you know, like you get some books that there's just pages and pages. That's nothing but text. And that's not the type of book you have made in the past, but, when you say you get a book with a lot of art and it's 88 pages or 120 pages, you think there can't be much in there. And in your previous work, that is not the case. There's a lot there, even if there aren't a lot of actual words. Yes, yes. I'm not, um, I, I, I think that I'm a writer, but uh, I don't, I am not much of a, uh, of a, <laughs> I don't write that much. I like to write uh, very little, but what I write, I wanted to make an impact on the reader. Well, I, I will say that at least from this reader's perspective, you very much succeeded that. Thank you. It was a hard work. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad to hear this. Yes, it's always uh, very nice to to hear. I think that uh, when when you focus on 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 writing, uh, if the book if the book is focused on writing, I think that it takes. Uh, much longer for people to appreciate it. Uh, I think only this year in Euro cities is starting to be appreciated because people uh, reading it. But um, when you concentrate on the visual aspects, it makes an impact more quickly. So I think that the idea is to make a balance between both the visual and the writing. They have to go side by side. And behind that was the idea behind Warplan, and it will be also the idea behind Hellite to make them into an art book, but that it will at the same time have a lot of uh, serious content within its writing. So I don't want to say it again, but I think that Morgborg managed to do that. No, I, I think you're exactly right. And I think, you know, maybe that open, you know, Morgborg opens some people's eyes to, to what can be done. Yes, absolutely. Yes. And that always happens with, uh, with art movements. There's a couple, Guys that open the path for the rest, and then a lot of grants or projects comes along the way, and they start uh, sh different aspects of it and playing with their own stuff. Definitely. So I have one other question, at least that's on my mind here, and and having had the experience of of learning a, a second language myself, although it's been twenty some years and I've forgotten most of it, 
obviously, it, at least I'm assuming English is not your native language. It is the Spanish. <laughs> Do you actually write initially in, in Spanish and then translate it to English? Or does it depend on the what you're doing what day? Actually, write in English. Um, I'm much better English writer than speaker. <laughs> the, the thing is that I get to practice a lot more uh, by reading and writing than speaking it. I only speak on podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, that's like I said, I was just curious because I, I believe I heard an interview with you before where you said that like with NeuroCity, you had originally written it in Spanish and then you translated it yourself. And so I didn't know if that was your, your standard standard method or if if you had shifted to writing initially in English. I used to write a lot of in, in English. Uh, I think that in another language, that it's not your mother language. Uh, a slight advantage uh, the is that uh, your mother will not be able to understand you. <laughs> 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 so it's like, uh, yeah, you, you go around a lot of uh, repression when you write in another language. It's like you're not that much affected by words. And yeah, I think that it, it's, it works a lot of, for poetry. A lot, uh, uh, somehow it makes sense <laughs> to do that. Uh, of course, it's uh, an added difficulty for me, but um, luckily I have uh, by my side a great wingman. Uh, he's uh, Walton Wood, that is an, my editor and proofreader. He's also the proofreader uh, behind uh, Cyborg. So okay. He's a very yes, he's a very working guy, and he's very he's always uh, adding stuff and and working closely with me. Well, that's really cool. And, and I, look, I mean, I've, I've got no complaints about anything I've seen from you. It's it, like it blows my mind that, that you're turning stuff out like this in a language that that isn't your your mother language, because I certainly wouldn't be capable of doing anything like that in, well, in English, much less some language that I have to learn. <laughs> yes. Well, in my, in my days, uh, NeuroCity did not have any uh, any proofreading at all, really. It's, it was just a friend of mine that uh, speaks uh, that his English, and he gave me a hand with that. So if you can understand NeuroCity, that's more or less the way I write without any proofreading. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said, you know, my compliments, because it it's a game that says a lot without using a lot of words to do it. Well, thank you. Thank you, Steve. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> what else do you have here, Steve? I I don't have much else. I I'm very thoroughly happy with this interview. Um, is there anything you would like to, you know, other than Hell Knight, or you know, even if it is just Hell Knight, is there anything you'd like to? That will, of course, Hell Knight will be. Um, I think that it will be, as I said before, it will not only concentrate on the visual aspects. It will actually have an interesting setting. Hell Knight, uh, with Hell Knight, I wanted to avoid some of the burnout I had with NeuroCity and Warplant. So that's why I wanted to do something that was entirely different and not related to my pre- previous book. As you know, I, I, um, my two previous books, NeuroCity and Warplant, were connected somehow. And I'm actually also working uh, on a new project uh, when I have the time. <laughs> And that project will be connected with NeuroCity and Warplan. It will be meltdown. Uh, I think Kickstarter will be launched 
halfway uh, in, uh, in this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, post-apocalyptic setting uh, with superheroes. Oh, wow, <laughs> that sounds awesome. I, yes, <laughs> I think it was awesome. Yes, I, I want to. I, I wanted to have a an original take on the superhero thing that I think that is uh, a bit in. It's uh, quite popular. Uh, superheroes RPGs are very popular, but I wanted to focus on on what would happen to people with superpowers on a post-apocalyptic setting. And mm -hmm. so far, what is happening is that these people are becoming like the new king or, or leaders of, of that uh, destroyed humanity. They are a bit on, on the verge of losing control themselves. So they are becoming slowly the bad guys. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, I'm very, very excited to see your take on that. And that sounds amazing. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, at the at the moment, I am I am I think that the biggest uh, challenge will be tweaking the the system because system for superpowers is uh, so so difficult. You know, they become so abstract if they become so powerful. So I am still trying my best to think if if I have to use the previous system or or make something new. Not sure about it yet. But yeah, well, we've this challenge. We've talked about that before, that there are a lot of system hurdles for superheroes that just don't exist in a lot of other genres. Yeah, it's very difficult because I think that it ends up being like, um, you know, Mage from uh, White, uh, from World of Darkness. Mm -hmm. It becomes uh, something like that. It becomes, the power becomes so abstract that to make a system for it, you really need a system that can work in an abstract way. Otherwise, you would have like a big book that is only about powers, and mm -hmm. um, that that will be that, that will be very demanding for a reader, you know, because they 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 have to understand all the different. Parts. And as I said before, I don't like a so rule-heavy system; it becomes too crunchy. Mm -hmm. So, could I ask a little bit? You know, here in the U.S. Most people start with Dungeons and Dragons. What was your introduction? What are your RPG influences? You know, having grown up in in Argentina. Of course, my I started up. I started with second edition uh, Dungeons and Dragons. I think the ninety eight, and then I moved slowly to World of Darkness. Uh, eventually, I found Cult, which I love. I love Cult. And then I started developing my own settings. I I think I have been playing on my own settings and version systems for the last fifteen years. Okay. Yes, exclusively. That's cool. So, um, if people are looking to find out more information about you and your games, do you have a website or anywhere you'd like them to to go and find more information? I know you mentioned the Facebook group earlier. Uh, anything else like that? I think that joining our Facebook group is uh, will be interesting for them. The Facebook group is called Worlds of Kiroga, uh, Neurocity, Warblam, and Hell Knight. And we basically we can discuss anything that uh, interests us because uh, there is uh, such a broad amount involved. You have a uh, cyberpunk. You have science fantasy and now you have 80s horror so 
uh, so many eclectic interests so we can share basically anything that relates very cool yeah like i said i'm I'm a member of that group i don't know if you're in there yet steve or not but just you'll be seeing my request here shortly Yeah, so uh, we can have the two Steves, please. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you'll, you'll be seeing my request here shortly. So very cool. Very cool. And with that, uh, if there's nowhere else you'd like to plug yourself, it's time we move into Game of the Week. Woohoo! Game of the Week! Game of the Week! Game of the Week! All right. So I told you a little bit what we do with Game of the Week here. Is It's really just a chance to shout out a game that you want to make other people aware of for whatever the reason may be. And um, you, you mentioned that you have a game from, from a friend of yours that you want to bring people some awareness to. And then Steve and I will also have, you know, a game that we pick out for, mm-hmm. for ourselves. So uh, would you like one of us to go first and then you can go, or how would you like to do this? Sure. You guys first. You want me to go first, Steve? Do you mind? You can, if you like. All right. I have a game. So I've been on a kick of, of some old school Dungeons and Dragons recently. As a matter of fact, we're recording this on an off day. So tonight's Monday because I have my AD&D game happening tonight. But I have a game called They Cried Monster. And I don't know if I've shouted this out before. I don't think I have. It's news to me. Yeah. It is a system agnostic or old school revival game built around sort of that AD&D rule set. It is basically that you play monster hunters trying to catch, kill, and capture monsters. Um, it's based on stories like Hellboy, The Witcher, Mushishi. It's it's really just seems like a really cool, dark monster hunting game. I don't know. It has very interesting cover art. The poor guy who's got like axes and pitchforks pointed at him while he's got his head inside of the of a monster it looks really awesome it's six bucks for the watermarked pdf yeah i think this could be a really i have to get my hands on it and really check it out but i think i might throw this on a table here because it seems really cool yeah it does it looks looks pretty neat and like you said it's lightweight designed to be kind of take what you want and put it where you like to use it yeah yeah so that's my game of the week all right well i have one and and this is Maybe a little unusual for what I've been picking lately, but this is a little one-page RPG. Uh, It's called The Land of Og, and it's basically just a silly little one-page caveman RPG. It says, players continue to no use big words, play Og in Land of Og. You know, it's, it's very much kind of a Captain Caveman, just silly little have fun, you know, playing prehistoric... Well, okay, it's not one page. I had thought it was, but now it's saying 64. So still, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it it's, I mean, the PDF is again, six bucks. So you're not looking for much. It's it's just a fun little something to do maybe on an off day or, or for a couple of weeks because you're, you're just looking for something different. This is from Ulysses Spiel, so yeah. it should be, be pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it, it does. It looks... Oh, it says actually, there's a little note here. It said, also included inside is one new word. Yeah, this looks neat. I, 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 I think this would be a fun one to throw on at a, at a party or something when yeah. people are just sort of hanging out. Well, the cover art kind of vaguely reminds me of like, was it the far side? It definitely has far side to it. 
All right. Well, that's ours. How about you, sir? Well, I have a, a, a new art RPG that was developed by a Mexican friend. He's called Choc Fernandez. Uh, he also had a, has a Spanish-speaking podcast, but the game is in English. Uh, the game is called Medula. Medula Bible TTRPG set in a fragmented reality. I think that it's uh, more or less like some kind of tricks horror uh, theme game and also pay what you want on his website uh, you guys have the link okay and yeah it, uh, it uses uh, d12s for the resolution so i think that that's something different yeah not too many games are based exclusively in a d12 and has a has a cool stress mechanic and a health the table it's, it's nice it's only 10 pages long Okay. Well, that's cool, though. Yeah, very nice. I was going to say, you know, your work proves that you don't have to have a big book to have a great game. This one this one is very, very cool. Yeah, and, and looking at the, the website, it looks like it clearly drew some, some visual inspiration from um, Morkborg as well. I think it's very Morkborgish. Mm -hmm. I can see that. Well, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast. It was really awesome, really good conversation. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for the invitation. I hope uh, my broken English was more or less understood. <laughs> oh, oh, I did my best. Clearly understood. You're good. You're good. Yeah, you're you're very good. You're trust me. Your English is a heck of a lot better than our Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. Really appreciate. Really appreciate your work and that you help us indie developers to make a shout out about our work. Like I said, you know, thank you for taking the time to come join us. And, and to be honest, I mean, the only thing I wish, you know, our connections could have worked a little better, but such is the way things work sometimes with the internet. So, uh, yeah. the, the solar flares. <laughs> yeah. With all of that being said, as always, links to all games mentioned are in the show notes. Um, we'll have links to where you can find Gabrielle and everything, and definitely to Hell Knight. We do want to thank everyone for listening. I want to remind you to be kind to one another and get out there and play some RPGs. Yep. Take care, y'all. Go back, Hell Knight. <laughs> yes. Intro and outro music by the band 12 Noon. You can email us at meandsteverpg at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and RPGs. Find us on Facebook at meandsteverpgpodcast. On Discord at meandsteverpgs. And as always, all of these links are in the show notes. Thank you, and be kind to one another. How much for the cigar? Cigar, 20 bucks, dog. You got to go down the street to the store and buy that. Okay, so that's working. I think it's my start, isn't it? It is. Do you have any um, other questions for us before we get started? I don't think so, Steve. I'm okay. fine. Okay. And let me make sure I have your name. It's Gavriel Quiroga? Yes, perfect. Okay. That's the best pronunciation i heard so far. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, like, yeah, thank you so much for coming on. It, it's, thank you. Th thank you.
you guys really really appreciate it hopefully we will uh, get to do this again sometime in the future yeah well if your superhero thing comes out you know i mean you clearly know where to find us uh let us know because that sounds really fun and i'm really curious to see your take on that because th there's something it will be the it will come out for sure